Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. It's like Christmas Eve, fam. We are here. It's about, what, less than a week, six days, five days until hockey starts. It's actually coming. We're gonna get some of the ice sport. It's happening. I am looking forward to it. I am excited. Let's get right into it. Let's get to the intros. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. Man, I can't think of a better time for me to have a distraction like the ice sport in my life. I'm just super happy that today I get to sit here with you people and talk about sports. It's really all I want to do right now. It's nice. It's nice. real nice. Yeah. Uh, I feel very lucky. You know, yeah. It, yeah. There are worse jobs. There are mm-hmm. worse things to have to fucking deal with today uh, than, than talking about the Philadelphia Flyers for like the you know 80 minutes we're going to talk about them or whatever. It's true. It's very true. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So one thing I want to point out about the NHL schedule uh, and what it says about how ridiculous one of the ideas the NHL had or apparently had based on the reports that we were getting about a month ago. Remember all those stories about how they were possibly going to put the Penguins in a a different division than the Flyers? Mm -hmm. About how, like, that was going to happen and, you know, this is a real thing. Well, guess what? Not only are the Flyers and Penguins playing each other on the first day of the season, they are literally the first game being played. (laughs) They are opening the NHL season. The idea that anyone involved in this process that had any interest in making money was going to allow the Flyers and the Penguins not to be in the same division was always batshit insane. I cannot believe anyone involved in this process even considered it because it's nuts. Like, why and and the fact that NBC clearly was like, not only do we need this matchup, we need this to be the first matchup, shows how unbelievably dumb that entire idea was. The uh, the lockout in 2013 didn't the Flyers Penguins start that season too? Yeah, I thought so. Um, um I I'm not, pretty I sure remember. I definitely remember watching an afternoon game at Xfinity. Yeah, Live. I, that it just seems familiar to me. Um. I remember a real sweet pass from Hartnell down low, one tap in goal to Giroux to start the year. I feel like I remember that. Imagine um, remembering things. I, yeah. It's, it's it's the morning. My brain, I had a cup of coffee. <laughs> we're, we're doing good. Uh, yeah, it was always ridiculous that they weren't going to be in the same division. I'll tell you what I'm happy about, though. And it all it took was a global pandemic for the Philadelphia Flyers to open up at home and not in Arizona at 1030 <laughs> yeah, right. on a Seriously. Tuesday. Seriously. Yeah. And no one can watch it in person, of yeah, course. And of course we can't go. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. I just, this is why my whole 
life mantra is don't freak out about something until it's already happened. Like I, that's why I gave no credence to the reports that the Flyers, and the Penguins weren't going to be in the same division because it was batshit insane. Like there was no way that the NHL would actually do that. I can't get worked up about something that hasn't happened yet. I found when it, it does happen. When it does happen, I, you know, I go ham, but when it when it hasn't happened yet, I, I just can't give it my energy. When that fucking, uh, when that Kanye Jay-Z CD came out uh, with Heart as a Motherfucker on it, my buddy got this <laughs> tattoo on his thigh of, like, a pig that said, like, H-A-M in it. And it's the dumbest fucking tattoo in the world. That is an incredibly dumb tattoo. Sam, Which if you're listening. Which friend is it? Because I, I think I know. Sam, if you're listening, I haven't forgotten. Um... I don't think I don't think I know Sam. Do no, I? no, I don't think so. No, I don't know Sam. Never um, mind. shit, is, is it my turn? Did I introduce? Oh no, it's Steph. <laughs> Last but certainly not least, Steph Delicious D, Steph Driver. I had so much to say. Um, <laughs> like twenty four like hours ago. Twenty four hours ago, <laughs> like exactly twenty four hours ago. Um, but I, I think the theme of this week is for the Flyers at least is that Nolan Patrick is an asshole. And <laughs> I'm here to say, I don't care. Let him be an asshole. Look at who he's being an asshole to, with the exception of Charlie. I was going to say. With the exception of Charlie. And, you know, Jordan Hall's a good dude, too. Mm-hmm. He is. Um, with the exception of those two. And he really wasn't rude to them. He didn't roll his eyes at Charlie. He rolled his eyes at Rob Parent. <laughs> so like look at who he's being an asshole to and like then really reassess why you're mad about that i'm just i don't like if he scores the goals he can fucking do whatever i don't give a I shit i think yeah. it's part of his charm and i actually so I, I was talking to friend of the show eddie pins and he brings up a really good point for you too kelly hinkle and bill Matt. i'm ready for, you i knew it was are, coming huge Mike Richards fan. So there was no bigger asshole was, in the city of Philadelphia. I was so, just and then say. let's talk about Chris Pronger, who was also yeah. a huge asshole. He was funny though. Gave a good quote. So the media only hated him a little bit. That's exactly so, the thing. Yeah. I intended to yesterday go back and see if I could like find on YouTube somewhere clips of Mike Richards press availabilities just to see if I could compare the two because I don't. I, I just remember him mostly just refusing to talk to them, for the well, most he part. He was I like, refused, "I'm not going to talk to you." He refused to talk to them after they started reporting about the party. After the dry and that's Island the other thing. Stores. Like they were, they were going after him well, in the like dry, a personal the, the, way. The dry island thing didn't come out until after they had been traded. That was the, that was that was an ad, but there were there were definitely stories being mm-hmm. published and insinuations being made in the yeah. press that they were going out and partying too much, which like. They were, but I mean... But no, that's... (laughs) Mike Richards, I heard Mike Richards, I think it was in the Spittin' Chicklets interview, say it was like, they were on a winning streak, and someone, like, published a story that they'd gone out every night for, like, two months. And he was like, if we'd lost eight and nine, okay. But we're on a fucking winning streak. Exactly. (laughs) How is this detrimental? No, I just remember this one with Mike Richards, where he was just, like, standing there in the locker room, and he goes, like, he says, like, that's a stupid fucking question. Next. <laughs> and then, like, so, 
and, and he goes like next and someone says something he goes that's the same fucking question like, and just, so, like so that's my thing gives them nothing that's my but that's, that was my difference though is the difference is that the media started it with mike richards like they were going in on him was he a good quote absolutely not did he want to ever talk to them no definitely not but i feel like with patrick he came into it like an asshole and is are most of the media members assholes that i wouldn't want to talk to either absolutely but they fucking weren't charlie really, man got to do this an hour a week i know fucking charlie they weren't really asking like shitty questions and if he didn't want to talk about his head you can just say you know what i don't want to talk about my health stuff i want to talk about the hockey i feel good out there he blah, did blah, blah, say blah, that. blah not really yes he did hold on i've got it i've got it up right here um crap i i do remember him saying i don't want to talk about that but or i don't want to talk about my head or something but then someone asked like well how are you feeling out there and he was just kind of or are you progressing and he, it's just like the, the answers never really got unshitty well, because he said he, he did say that he's not talking about it. But then they, they stopped asking, asking questions. They, they weren't talking about his health at that point, though. I, whatever. I, I, this I, is I, not I, that like, important. I, from the media's perspective, what the fuck else? Like, oh, what's your yeah. favorite that, that's, color, that's, that's That's my point. Like, yeah. like, like, legitimately, I understand the idea of, like, I'm not going to talk about the specifics of my head injury. Sure. Like, it's a medical thing. Yeah. That's totally fair. But, like, the entire story behind you is you're coming back from being out for a year right there's nothing that can be written about you that isn't about the fact that you missed an entire season so if we're going to ask you okay well how are you feeling out there like yes i guess that's tangentially related to how does your head feel but like what the fuck else are you going to ask a guy let me see so here's where i come from number one i don't care that he's not giving long-winded answers or isn't a good quote I don't care. I don't care about that either. Number two, I don't care that he's not making your jobs easy. Sorry, Charlie. Love you. I am now officially a member of the Hockey Writers Association, so apparently I am a writer. Um, but I don't care that he's not making things easy. And I don't care that he doesn't want to talk about a... a brain condition that has been consistently reduced to headaches for the past year like that's not what migraines are like I don't care that he doesn't want to talk about this like I don't care that he doesn't want to talk about how he was probably nauseous and throwing up every day for a year and people are just saying oh it's headaches put some ibuprofen rub some mud on it and take some ibuprofen like I don't no one was saying yeah. that in the media, though. Like, no one yes, was. they were. But, no, not, not, not in the media. Not, no. In Twitter. the real media? Yeah, on Twitter. Well, look, at, look at who we're talking about. We're not talking about Charlie. I mean, we're there's one particular about... person who is exceptionally shitty at all times. This is what I'm saying. I'm not but mad that Noel else. Patrick. No, if, if is, everybody is... wants to be cunty to that specific writer who actually sucks, that's fine. But I'm saying what I'm generally. Saying. And also for me is like... Like Charlie said, if you're going to have media availability and you haven't played a meaningful hockey game in a year and a half, someone's going to ask you about playing a hockey game because you haven't played a hockey game in a year and a half. And people are going to ask, hey, how's it feel to play a hockey game since you haven't played one in a year and a half? And the idea that like it's shitty for people to ask those questions, I think, is a little bit absurd. But also, I wouldn't care as much about this if it was just being shitty to the media and not just like generally shitty which i kind of think that he is like remember that story 
way, way early on about how he like refused to sign some like drawn picture oh, yeah. of him. <laughs> like at, at first, when that story first came out, I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. There's absolutely no way that that happened. And in retrospect, it definitely happened because he's just no. kind of an asshole. And I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that he's an asshole. Once no, he I, starts, I don't care that he's an asshole, but yeah. also that story never happened. I, I like, 100% story- believe it happened. Maybe not exactly as told, but It I- was from a Devils fan who doesn't even live in the Philly area and was like, my kid drew a picture of Nolan Patrick and he ripped it out of his hands, crumpled it up and threw it in the trash right in front of him. I Good. mean, if he, if he starts making this team win hockey games, I'm, I'm not going to give a fuck about anything that he does. Yeah. But as of right now, yeah. he hasn't. So I, think, I um, focus on him being a shitty. Like I shit. just don't care if he's an asshole. Like no, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I've never. They're met all the probably guy. assholes. They're probably all yeah. assholes. And you know, like, in some way. Yeah, number I, two overall pick. He's been told he's the man. Exactly. I, I don't give a shit if he's an asshole. I don't care if he's not. I don't care if he's the nicest guy in the world. That'd be cool if he was, but I don't care. Uh, I will say, like in his defense. I don't care if he talks to the media or not. That doesn't that doesn't change my life at all. Uh, uh, you know, whatever. There's a bunch of other guys who are probably way more interesting to talk to. He's an interesting story in this camp because he's kind of going to be the guy who makes this thing go if, uh, like, take this team to another level if he's that productive 3C. Like, right now he's between JVR and fucking Jake. Like, two of the three highest paid players on the team. He's two of four, I guess, with Hayes, but, like, pretty important player. But I don't care if he doesn't talk. I will say, like, with the, like, social media and everyone being a reporter, a media member, because that's what social media is, it, you know, it fucking puts everybody in the same role. Like, it's hard to differentiate sometimes between Charlie, who's writing about his on-ice impact, and asshole 69420 on Twitter being like, oh, that pussy with his brain injury, get out there. Another Eric Lindros. Like, you know, like, you can only read that shit so much before you're like, fuck them all. So, I like, I get it both ways. It, really, I just want him to score a bunch of goals and be a good hockey player. And exactly. uh, they so, win the cup and we'll never remember any of this. So, here, so here's, here's, can I, can, just, I, can, I, can I jump in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but <laughs> I have not, done, I, I've got one more thing I, to say. I haven't jumped in at all. So my point is this. This is a story of a guy who <laughs> is coming back from a serious thing. You know, a, a, a serious health issue. And... It's really cool that he's coming back. And it would be really neat if we could write about yeah. how cool it is that he's coming back and have details and talk about like, hey, this is cool that Nolan Patrick, you know, had the year from hell and now is coming back and is going to have a chance to help this team play. That would be a cool story to write. Nolan Patrick clearly does not want that story to be wrote. And that's fine. That's fine. If, if, if Nolan Patrick does not want anything to be written about his year that sucked and the fact that he missed time and all that stuff, that's fine. But that said, it makes it tougher to fully understand the degree of terribleness his year was if he doesn't give that information. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, if this is the way he wants it, that's cool. But like, he's not going to get like, for example, Oscar Limblom 
has cancer. And Oscar Lindblom has been very, very clear that, like, he's not going to give a ton of information. But he still opens up to the point where, like, it's possible to write stories about how freaking inspiring this is. And to me, it just feels like... I, 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 I don't know what Patrick's thinking because he doesn't talk to us that much. But, like, he could easily be positioned in a similar vein as Limbaugh and he just doesn't want to be and And that's like and 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 that's his right but like it does to me feel like something of a missed opportunity for him in terms of like not only being able to endear himself to sections of the fan base that don't like him but also to make it so like the hockey world at large is really rooting for him and it just doesn't seem like he wants that, which, again, is fine, but it does seem to me a little bit of a missed opportunity on his part. Steph, and then I have something, and then we're moving on. Yeah, the, just the, the little bit of context that I wanted to give around this interview that everyone has decided makes him an asshole. He didn't have any Zoom media availability at all over the past year when all of the other players have gotten a chance to get really used to it. So... This was his first interview with the media over Zoom, with people that he couldn't see, and with internet connections that were questionable at best. And if you if you give it a listen, and um, you know, I, I made note before that he rolled his eyes at Rob Parent, but like Rob Parent had an abysmal connection, like. That is true. There, yeah. there's, no, it, it was it was weird. It was it, it, it's all weird. I mean, we're all trying to adjust. We're obviously. all doing our best. Yeah, it, so it, like it's just a weird like, situation. Give a little bit of leeway. It was just an uncomfortable situation. Yeah, and it's it's look. If Noel Badger comes back and plays, you know, in the end, we're going to be judging him on how he plays, yeah. and. If he doesn't play well to start, I mean, I'm personally going to continue to make note for a long time, like, he missed a full season, let's cut him a break as he gets, you know, himself back into rhythm and gets back used to the pace of play and everything like that. Like, that's my plan because I think it's necessary context. Not every writer is going to do that. Right. And this kind of goes back to what I'm saying about a missed opportunity on his part, like, he has the opportunity to kind of get some goodwill from the fans and from the writers if he sort of... Because, I mean, look, he doesn't have to come out and say it. We know his year was awful. It had to have been awful. I mean, the guy was dealing with devastating migraines, couldn't play the sport that he was born to play for a year, and probably had legitimate fears that he might never get to play the sport he was born to play ever again at a professional level. So I'm sure the year was a total disaster for him, and I'm sure he was a mess, and I'm sure it was, like, awful. And it's, again, it's totally his right not to want to talk about that. I get it. I mean, I'm a pretty, like, like internal person. I don't share a lot, so I get it. But there is an element of if you do share even just a little bit of it, it makes it harder for people to go all in on criticism if you struggle this year. I just want to like, just like, I don't care if he's an asshole. That's, that's the, that's the last 15 minutes summed up. Yeah. I don't care. I just want to like add a little, cause Charlie, you made the, you made the comparison to, um, to, to Oscar Lindblom's situation. And we've all done that in some way, at least mentioned them in the same breath together. And while like we've, we've gone out of our way on this show to be like, it's not just headaches. That's not yeah, what the not. migraine condition is. It's a whole thing. But even just to him, like a 22, 23-year-old kid, whatever he is, like one of his teammates 
who's the same age as him, had fucking cancer and survived and is back and is inspiring the hockey world. And he had fucking headaches. Like, maybe he doesn't want that comparison. Like, maybe that's part. And I'm not trying to, like, say it's just, like I said, it's not just, but to him, maybe it's like, dude, uh, no, I don't want, I, I don't want the goddamn whatever the award that, Oscar, what the hell uh, is the, it? The, the Masterton. Yeah, I don't want the yeah. Masterton trophy. I don't want to be singled out from, like, I, I, this is Oscar's thing. Like, I don't, it's not that, you know? My life wasn't in danger. Like, maybe there's part, and again, never yeah. met the guy, no idea, but maybe there's something to that as well. It's a really good point. Just, like, that's how I would feel, I think. Like, you know. If I break my arm and someone's mother dies, I'd be like, don't worry about my fucking arm. You know, like, you know, that's just that's how I'm thinking. All I right. Get it. Great comparison, Bill. Way to bring the show up. Uh, <laughs> so We're uh, doing our best. So uh, here's something positive. Uh, America, huh? So Team USA <laughs> is it, World. Is it positive? <laughs> Sources say no. So Team USA wins World Junior Gold uh, 2 nothing over this little-known developing hockey nation uh, known as Canada. Um, wow. Huh, what never a, heard of them. Yeah. This, it's crazy, right? They got, a, they got a long way to go to be a great My hockey favorite nation. thing about beating Canada is, like, they don't realize when they win, we don't care. Because they're supposed to fucking win. It's like if America wins a corn dog eating competition. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, next, go on. Like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no you, you know what it's like? And it's not quite as, quite as dramatic because, like, the U.S. is better at this sport than everyone else. It's more basketball. Than Canada. It's basketball, yeah. yeah. Like, if the U.S. loses a basketball, you know, a, an international basketball tournament or loses the Olympics. It's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's embarrassing because they should win it. And it, and. The, the gap between the U.S. and everybody else in basketball is larger than the gap between Canada and everybody else in hockey. But there are some similarities there, absolutely. It's their fucking game! Yeah. Like, we don't have ice here! It's hot! Most places! <laughs> Not anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, the captain of the U.S. team that won is from Southern California. Yeah! And he, and he played his hockey on a roller hockey rink in his backyard. Like, they didn't have hockey there really until 92 when they got, or 88 when they got Gretzky. When they got Gretzky, like, you yeah. know? Yeah. They didn't really have hockey there until then. Uh, so, yeah, I, and the only reason I bring this up is because the captain of the team, Cam York, how cool is it that basically, like, on his last day of eligibility, like his 20th birthday, the captain wins gold? Like, that's fucking awesome. It's pretty neat. It sucks. Like, I know there's a million things that sucks about pandemic, but, like, not being able to party as hard as humanly possible makes me feel for him. I, I'm, I'm sure they got their fair I'm share sure of I'm, <laughs> saying, put it this way. I'm, I'm sure saying, like, they did. I'm sure they might not have been able to go out to the bars and whatnot, but that hotel, I imagine, needed, you know, is going to need quite a few days of cleaning to, you know. Ray Ferraro so was the, complaining about it flyers, on Twitter. The Flyers had two key. Oh, are you talking Kelly? I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I'm sorry. Uh, so the Bro, Flyers what was had Ray two Ferrara key. Complaining about on Twitter. He he was complaining about the noise in the hotel from the American kids. Good. Yeah. Good. I, <laughs> I hope I hope they partied literally all night. Uh huh. I hope they just chugged beers out of the Canada trash can like it was the Stanley. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that Canada trash can was 
spectacular. It's a fucking barrel. I mean, it was very clearly a barrel. It wasn't even open at the top. <laughs> um, it's, a like, it's very funny either way. It's it's funny that they got so mad about it. Oh, that's oh, exactly it's so it. funny. <laughs> so uh, our Flyers had a couple of uh, a couple of good hockey boys on this team. Bobby Brink and Captain Cam York uh, both had an impact on this gold medal run. Uh, when do you think we see either of them? Not for a while, I would say. I mean, so this is almost certainly going to be Cam York's last year in college. He's going to turn pro next season. Does he make the team right away? I, I sort of have my doubts. I think he'll be given a shot. But again, the defense is pretty deep. So, mm-hmm. and I'm not like, okay, so I, like, to be clear, I like Cam York as a prospect. I don't think he's going to be a star. I think he's going to be a good second pair defenseman. Like I, I would if if I'm ranking him in terms of like, like all right, let's let's look at all of the guys the Flyers have developed. So you know Ivan Provorov, Travis Sanheim, Phil Myers, Igor Zamula, Cam York. Like I, I put York. Looking at the way I viewed them all at their respective ages, like I would put York behind Provorov, Sanheim, and Myers. Absolutely. Like I thought all three of those guys had higher ceilings than I think Cam York does. Just because I don't think Cam York... Cam York is a really smart player. He makes really good plays with the puck. I think he has the opportunity potentially to be like a chemo team in an ish power play guy. Um, where like he doesn't have the booming shot, but he's really good at just like controlling and facilitating. And he has a wrist shot that he can get through traffic. Like I think he could be that. I don't see enough... I don't think he tries to control the play enough at even strength to really be a super impact guy at even strength. But I think he can be fine. So I'm looking at him as like a second pair guy, and I don't know if you rush a second pair guy to the NHL. That's kind of my viewpoint. Unacceptable. I was told on draft night he was the next Brian Leach. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the comparison they put on NHL Network, right? Yeah. So that's I love all... when they do that shit. If he's not the next best fucking American-born defenseman ever, I'm going to be disappointed. It's important to set realistic expectations from the gate. I'm not expecting him to be the best Canadian defender. I don't expect Bobby Orr. Just Brian Leach. Just Ooh, Brian that's Leach. All. Yeah, that's, that's all. That's it. No big deal. No big deal. Only like one of the best American defensemen ever. Yeah. Only. You know. Simple. And then there's Brink. Pretty good, Brink, huh? I think. Yeah, I think Brink is going to take some not time. Not bad for a small um, maybe, little boy. Yeah, maybe more time than York. A little, little Bobby. Bobby Brink. I really, I really, kinda I really, really like Brink. looking forward to having him. I really like Brink. Somebody, somebody tweeted this at me um, during the, uh, I think it was during the semifinal game, or it was after the semifinal game, and they were like, Brink kind of reminds me of Yanni Gord. And I can sort of see it, um, but that kind of led me down a rabbit hole of like, Bobby Brink very much strikes me as like the type of guys that Tampa has used to fill out their lineup, where it's like, he's too small. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't look the way he should, you know, so he slips to the third, fourth, fifth round, or he goes undrafted, and then we scoop him up, and then he becomes, like, this super useful player that maybe isn't a top-line guy, but is still pretty freaking good. And that, to me, is Bobby Brink. I like that comparison to Yanni Gord. I'll take a Yanni Gord. I would like precisely one to two Yanni Gords on my hockey team. <laughs> you know, I'm not that picky. Just one or two. <laughs> It's it is nice though that it does kind of seem like they're gonna start acknowledging that short men can play hockey too. 
Like maybe just maybe they can score. Well, I mean, it's it's just it's it's so hard to watch Tampa and not exactly like, like you have to be looking at the guys that they're developing and the fact that like they put so much of a premium on production and they don't care that much about size and they look at you know okay well he might not be the greatest skater but the hockey sense is through the roof like the the things they value I mean the, the guys they've picked up like Braden Point was a third round pick. Anthony Sorelli, I believe, was a third-round pick. Yanni Gord, I think they what they signed him. Like he was an undrafted free agent. Tyler Johnson yeah. was a nobody. They keep picking up these guys. It's like it literally is the Jesse Pinkman. He can't keep getting away with it. Me, like they just keep <laughs> getting away with it. And at some point, teams like have to stop letting them get away with it and start finding their own versions of these guys. I just rewatched Breaking Bad, so I I get that reference, even though I had seen it before. You've Plus. seen some. You've nice. seen a show twice, and it's not Grey's Anatomy. I know, shocking. <laughs> and I watched Better Call Saul right after it, only once. But like, I I'm caught up on pop culture now. Like that's it for 2021. I could nice. just not. I I knew it was gonna get good, but could not hang in there with Better Call Saul. Just no, you should. Like, you need okay, to because yeah, you're you're prosecuting a fucking nursing home. I don't care. I'm gonna watch the zombies now. Uh, <laughs> All right, so uh, shit, we're at like 28 minutes. You know what we're going to do right now? We're going to take a quick break, and then on the other side, it's training camp wall-to-wall coverage. That's right, so stay tuned here, and uh, we're going to talk about like more Nolan Patrick shit, basically. All right, we'll be back on the other side. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are back, and it is time for some training camp coverage. Uh, I'm going to start out with a Charlie O'Connor tweet. Uh, I don't feel like clicking this because then I won't be able to get back to this screen. It'll be a whole thing. But basically, Charlie, when the Group A and Group B rosters got announced for yesterday's yesterday's scrimmage, you said, doesn't Group A kind of look like an opening night roster? So I opened the link and I looked at it and said, hmm, there's 12 forwards listed here and Nolan Patrick is one of them. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. The fuck have I been telling you people? Listen, I was optimistic. He's If he's healthy and ready to go, even if he's not like, you know, franchise center, number two overall pick, we're going to win, you know, awards and shit. He's one of the 12 best forwards if he's good to go. So he I should just have be to keep reminding you guys that I'm smart and good. That's it. I know. you. Way to go, Steph. We're all proud of you. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. If, if Nolan Patrick... Um, is is really the three C, and he's really between JVR and Jake. Man, this team is—they're just so fucking deep. And like, we'll get to the lines and everything, but just looking at that Group A roster and how it was put together—is this not—is this not optimal? It looks pretty fucking optimal. I'm gonna—I know we're gonna talk about the lines, but after seeing those lines, like at this point now. I'm not going to be able to accept anything different from those lines because <laughs> looking at them, I was like, fuck, look at that. And it was like, you know, real good. The one thing that scares me a little bit about these lines is that they're too good. I'm, it's too early. No, like, I'm, no, no that, that is kind of it, though. I'm getting deja vu of summer of the summer training camp when they came out the first day and the lines were perfect. Like, they were exactly what I wanted them to be. You know, Lawton was a 3C. Farabee was in the lineup. You know, I think, like, Thompson. The only, the only issue was that Thompson was 4C. But, like, that was it. And 
then they just went full galaxy brain the rest of camp, and we basically never had mm. what we thought were the ideal line combinations. And I'm sort of getting deja vu here that, like, these lines make too much sense, so opening night absolutely is going to have Sam Moran on line three. Oh, boy. <laughs> we're we're absolutely going to get to Sam Moran. Like, I wish, Sandy like, we Wall? took... Like, we took last week off, and uh, a lot of shit happened, but I want to cover, like, Samuel Moran and all that shit. Uh, but a little bit more Nolan Patrick. Like, Charlie, you're you're there. You're watching. Is it, like, what can we, ex- what, like, watching Nolan Patrick, is he on the same level as everyone else? Is this, like, okay, let's see him get into shape, and then maybe, like, what are we... What are you expecting? What are you seeing from him? No, in truth, he looks like, I've, I've said this, he looks like the same guy he was in 2018, 2019. Like, if you were, if you strolled into camp and you knew nothing about the Nolan Patrick story, you would never guess that he missed an entire season. Now, to be clear, the guy in 2018, 2019 wasn't a superstar. Yeah. So, like, I'm not saying that Nolan Patrick is going out there and, like, dominating every shift and, like, holy shit, we have a breakout candidate on our hands. But I came into camp expecting Nolan Patrick to look rusty. If he, if he played every day, if he was practicing every day in full, I was expecting him to look rusty. He does not look rusty. He just looks like he's ready. And I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much on that front because I still suspect that there is going to be a degree of rust when the games actually start. And I'm kind of preparing myself for him to struggle off the gate because or out of the gate because he did miss a full season and he hasn't played in an NHL game since the beginning of April of 2019, which is coming up on two years ago. So I'm expecting that. But watching him in camp, he doesn't look rusty. He just looks like Nolan Patrick. He's making plays. He looks quick. He's got jump. You know, he's, he's playing confident. He looks good. He looks, he looks like a guy who is going to be a good third-line center for the Flyers. And then the question is, how much more can he be if we actually see him develop in the way we were hoping to see him develop last year? And he may not be rusty out of the gate. It may take 20, 30, 40 games for him to look rusty. And then it's like, oh, wait, this is the guy that hasn't played hockey at the professional level in two years. And it's just a long season. But I think that he'll benefit from the season only being 56 games. And I think that Joel Farabee will benefit from the season only being 56 games. And Morgan Frost, if he makes the lineup and if he doesn't, we riot, will benefit from the season being only 56 games. That's a great point, Steph, in that, like, the adrenaline of just being out there for camp and maybe even the beginning of the season will be enough to be like, fuck yeah, I'm playing hockey again. Let's go. And then you know, all of a sudden you're in your your third stretch of four games and six nights, and it's like, whoo, yep, haven't done this in a while. (laughs) Like, suddenly you were tired, even though you felt like you were well-rested and you were ready to go, and you're in good shape. Like, the hockey legs, ooh, yeah, it's starting to burn out there a little bit. So that is something to pay attention to, even if he gets off to a good start. He's a guy who's been streaky in the past, and, you know, Charlie said, it's been almost two years. We'll see, like, if he can maintain a certain level, even if he looks good to start. But it's definitely just, um, it's definitely encouraging. And then, of course, yesterday we all see on Twitter, he takes the friendly fire hit from everyone's favorite left winger, <laughs> Samuel Moran. And uh, he didn't miss a shift. That's important. 
yeah, it was, I mean, as someone who was there and saw it, it was, it was scary. I mean, you were, you know, everybody was worried. And that's one thing I'll point out. Like, you know, there's all, there's all this talk about like, oh, Nolan Patrick's an asshole. You know, uh, you know, he treats me like shit. Let me be clear. When Nolan Patrick was on the ice, no one was thinking, yeah, fuck yeah, that asshole doesn't give us quotes. I hope he gets hurt. Like, oh everybody God. was like, everybody was like, oh, God, I hope this kid's okay. Like, even even the media members are rooting for him. So, like, don't don't think that people are going into this with, like, an inordinate amount of bias because he's not giving good quotes to the media members. Like, everybody was worried for the kid because nobody wants to see this kid have to deal with friggin' head injuries or migraines or concussions or a mix of everything, whatever it actually was, you know. And he's down on the ice, and he takes his helmet off, and he's slowly making his way back to the bench, and it's like, oh, God. Oh, God. He's going to go to the locker room. We're never going to see Nola Patcher again. This was the thing. And <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and for for about 120 seconds, like everybody was holding their breath. And then he gets up because the way like if you're not familiar with the way hockey benches work, and I, I think most of our listeners are, but some people might not be, you know, so just to kind of clarify this, like line combinations sit together so they can jump over the ice at the same time. It just like makes sense. They sit together. They talk to each other about, you know, what they're seeing on the ice. So Patrick, when he go and he went to the bench, didn't go sit with his line mates. He just go sat, went sat at the end of the bench because he was trying to figure out if he was hurt. And he stands up, and everybody's like, oh, shit, he's going to go to the locker room. And he stands up, and he just walks behind the bench and goes back down to sit with Voracek and Ben Reemsdyke, who were his line mates. And everybody's like, oh, thank God. Okay, he's all right. And then he hit the ice for his next shift, and he was blasting down the ice, chasing down and dumping, and it's like, okay, all right, you passed the test, Nolan. You know, this was, uh, this was something you were going to have to deal with because hockey's a contact sport. You were going to have to take a hit at some point. He took that hit. You know, I'm sure there was a moment in his head where he was worried he was hurt and he realized he wasn't. And then he got right back out there and was out there for the rest of practice and did shootout drills through the end of practice. So it looks like he passed, which is great news. Very good. And like of all of the players to take a heavy hit from, it was Samuel Moran. Yeah, like right. of all of, of all of That's the a players. That's good test. It couldn't have, like it couldn't have been Morgan Frost. Yeah. <laughs> No, but that's I, best or, possible. Or 30-pound Joel Therapy. Best possible like, scenario, I think. Exactly. Like, okay. Th that's, uh, like, that's, I remember the first time I played lacrosse goalie. We didn't have a goalie for a game. Uh, I was like, all right, I'll do it, whatever. And then the first shot comes in, hits me straight in the cup. And I was like, okay, <laughs> it's not going to get worse than that. I'm not afraid anymore. Like, as soon as he gets hit by Samuel Moran, all right, dude, that's the biggest hit you're going to take. Like, you're good. Way to go. I, and I'm not saying, like, okay, he's impervious now, Superman out there. Yeah, it's yeah. just, like, for his mental state of going into corners, wondering what's going to happen, that's a little box he can check and be like, all right, I can, I can deal with this and I know what's going to happen. And teams are going to be physical with him. They, like, they're going to see if he's up to it. And... Yeah. If you yeah. remember a little something about Nolan Patrick before all this stuff happened, he found himself in compromising positions quite a bit. Like he got hit somewhat. So yeah. it's going to yeah. be it's going to be something he was going to have to deal with and we as fans, like I every time like I saw Carson Wentz take a hit that first year back from the ACL, I was like, "Oh my god, what's going to happen?" Like and then he'd get up and we'd all go, "Okay." And it's just going to be an ongoing thing until, you know, he proves otherwise. But it's an, I, when I heard he got back out there, I was just encouraged by it. 
Well, you know what it's like? It's kind of like I, I agree with the feeling of Carson Wentz, um, you know, that first year, definitely. Um, but it kind of is going to be like Joel Embiid. Yeah. Where, you know, and now Joel Embiid, I mean, yeah, he gets hurt on occasion. But like, you know, you don't you're not utterly terrified every time he hits the floor. But those first couple years, you absolutely were terrified every time you hit the floor that, oh, God, here we go again. And it's going to be the same feeling with Nolan Patrick, and hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully, you know, really, you know, when 10 years down the road, hopefully we just think of this as like a speed bump to an otherwise really good career in the same way that we look at Sidney Crosby concussions. That's a great I had point. something else to say. Oh, remember Radko Gudis? Sure do. Remember that guy? Yeah. Remember oh, when, how... When he injured uh, Couturier? Mm-hmm. He just straight up took out <laughs> Sean Couturier. Mm-hmm. That's all I could think of when I was like, great, Samuel Moran is the new Radko Gudis. <laughs> taking him out. He enhanced oh, Sean Couturier. He it's transferred true. his powers of craziness to him into his super skilled hockey body and allowed him at least for one game to score five fucking points in the playoffs against the Penguins. So, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Selkie Trophy winner, Sean Couturier. Dr. Sean Couturier. Elite center. The doctor. Yeah. So, so here's my question with regards to Nolan Patrick. So and and we to be clear, we don't know for sure if he's going to be ready for game 1. Yeah. I mean, as I pointed out in my article today, he came out of that hit from Moran fine, and that's great, but like sometimes symptoms can pop up a day later, so we're all still sort of holding our breath a little bit to make sure he comes out on the ice and looks fine on Friday, the next time they hit the ice cuz today is an off day Thursday. Um so I'm not I'm not writing him into the final lineup in ink. That said, if Nolan Patrick is in this lineup and if Nolan Patrick is at the very least a solid third line center for the Flyers. What does that do to the Flyers ceiling this year? Because lest you forget, this is a team that was the team with the sixth best record in hockey that was one game away from making the final four with basically no one at third line center. It was a revolving door of Scott Lawton, who's better at wing. Derek fucking Grant. Derek Grant, who is a fourth-line center. Nate Thompson. Uh, Nate, well, Nate Thompson was really just yeah, a fourth-line center. Claude Giroux, who's better at wing. You know, who else? They had Morgan Frost, who, you know, had a great start and then kind of died down. Like, they didn't really have a third-line center, and they were still really good. So if they do have a third-line center, like, what does that do to your expectations for this team going into this season? Pops them way the fuck up. That's what it does. These the new division makes me nervous just because of Boston. Like fuck them, fuck them, um, and because you never quite know what you're going to get out of Washington, and you never quite know what you're going to get out of Pittsburgh. But you expect them to be a nuisance, and then there's Boston, which they're just being written into the top spot in the Eastern division now what are we mass um, mutual what are we mass yeah i have mass no mutual. idea yeah right yes it's mass with an m which fits scott lawton but it's mutual not murder yes <laughs> that was that was a joke that friend of the show carly made um uh i i it makes me nervous because of those three teams now i'm not expecting huge things out of Pittsburgh or Washington, but they're always going to be there and they're always going to be a threat until they're not. Um, And then there's the Islanders and they're a wild card. Who the hell knows? And only four of these teams are making the playoffs this season. So I don't necessarily think the Flyers 
won't make the playoffs. That was a really weird sentence. I do believe without a shadow of a doubt that the Flyers will make the playoffs this season. I just don't think it's going to be an easy road because this division is a pain in the ass. I got to tell you, looking at those four lines that we saw yesterday and thinking about Carter Hart being, let's just say conservatively, a little bit above average NHL goaltender, I don't worry even a little bit about a single team in this division looking at what the Flyers look like right now. Like, not even a little bit. That makes me feel really good. I need, I need an injection of that confidence. I mean, it's I'm not... fully on my, my bullshit. Like, the Flyers are winning the Cup this year. <laughs> I mean, you say that every year, but this, it, is, this, it, is, the, this is the first year where, like, I, I can say yeah. to myself, that doesn't seem that crazy. This is it. No, and that's the, like, my expectations with Nolan Patrick... For, and this, like, if Nolan Patrick is what we think he's going to be, a productive 3C, not a superstar, just nice productive 3C on a deep team, uh, maybe he's contributed on one of the power play units, something like that, my expectations are what they were last year, which was compete for the division crown and make a playoff run, which they did without him. And now they're a year more, like, yes, guys like uh, Giroux and Voracek and JVR, a year older, sure, but... You know, guess who else got older? The young kids. So they're more mature and closer to their primes. So, like, I think that should balance out a little bit. And with Nolan Patrick infused into this thing, like, I'm not saying we're going to win the cup and we're going to do our prediction show and everything next week, but fuck it, why not us? I think they're as much a contender as any, like, yeah, you know, Colorado, the, like a team, uh, Vegas, those teams are legitimate cup favorites but behind that elite tier as we've been saying all offseason the flyers are right there i believe i don't think boston is like considerably better than the flyers i know that the islanders just kind of have had philly's number but are they better like do i think regular season records they're going to be so much better i do not washington i think Sure, they're going to have a good season, but the Flyers have owned Washington. Pittsburgh, they're a pain in the dick, but fuck them. The Flyers are better player for player. So, like, I think the expectations are incredibly high, and Nolan Patrick just contributes to that. Well, that and a full season of Oscar Lindblom. Yeah. Like, let's let's not forget that he's a huge addition to this team. Absolutely. All right. Um, But, yeah, Boston's fascinating to me because, like— on paper, they're still really good. Yeah. Absolutely. But they do have question marks, and they have significant ones. Like, David Posternock isn't going to play for the first month of the year. He might be their best player now. Like, it, all respect to Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron, but, like, they're in their 30s. Yeah. David Posternock's 24. David Posternock is the present. They are the guys who are trying to continue to be great. He is in his prime. And they're not going to have him for a month. They lost Chara, who, like, yeah, he's not what he used to be, but that makes the defense kind of thin. I mean, they basically have Charlie McAvoy. They're hoping that Matt Grizzlick can be as good in a, you know, top-of-the-lineup role as he has been in a bottom-of-the-lineup role, and maybe he can, but that's an unknown. The rest of their defense are kind of just dudes. They lost two of their top four. Like, yeah, they lost Tory Krug. Like, there's Boston, to me— and, you know, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but, like, they seem like a team. Like, 
if they weren't Boston, the team that always wins and coming off the President's Trophy, like you'd look at this team and you'd say to yourself, they look like they could be primed for a fall. Like I saw one thing that was really interesting. I mean, I obviously don't cover the Bruins because, um, you know, because I don't. But I think it was a Pierre LeBrun article yesterday talking about the Bruins, and he just dropped in there, and this blew me away because I guess like I guess my thing is always like guys who are still really good are never going to retire when they're still really good. But he pointed out, like, just kind of dropped this, that, like, Patrice Bergeron might not play hockey that much longer, which is wild to me. It's wild to me that basically, like, that Patrice Bergeron might not play that much longer. And that's wild to me because it's like, okay, well, you know, he's still really freaking good, so why wouldn't he keep playing? But maybe he doesn't, and maybe Boston is one of those teams— where, you know, yeah, the, here it was. It was, it was, he was talking about Tuka Rask because Tuka Rask's contract expires at the end of the season. He's like, are they going to re-sign Tuka Rask? And he goes in, you know, this is a really tough one. There were whispers around the league that Don Sweeney was taking calls on Rask in the offseason. The Bruins made a huge decision on Zdeno Chara. Is anyone convinced Patrice Bergeron will play past the season? Like, that wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. But, like, if you're a national writer and you're putting that in an article as like a throwaway line, I imagine you're not doing that without something to back it up. Right. Like I just, I, I just wonder with Boston if they are closer to the end than we might realize. Oh like, God, that would make me so happy. Like I, I, I kind of, and I mean, look, I'm not predicting them to be a top ten worst team in the league, but like. I kind of think to what happened to San Jose last year. Yeah. Like, some, like sometimes the floor just falls out from under you out of the fucking blue. And I do wonder if, like, we're getting to that point with the Bruins. And, like, Bergeron turns 36 in July. I didn't realize he was that old. I was going to guess, like, 32, 33. And, uh, like, he's missed time the last three years. Obviously shortened season last year, but 61 games previously 65 and 64 like he's not the every single night dependable guy that he was you know in 2016 and in his prime like yeah if they're letting all these old if they're letting some of their top guys go even if he doesn't retire say things don't go that well for Boston like what's to stop them from moving him like you know I just uh I'm not I'm with you Charlie I don't think the bottom's gonna drop out but if they have a disappointing season, will not be shocking, I guess. Yeah, and and to be clear, like I still am picking the Bruins to win the division. But yeah. I like for example, I can't envision a scenario where like the Colorado Avalanche just suck this year. Like that like that that's not even surprising. on my radar. Like their their floor to me is they make the playoffs as like the 3 seed in that division. Yeah. Whereas I can envision a scenario where Boston just totally underachieves. And, like, this is the year where it just comes apart for them. And it's crazy to say because they were the best team in the league last year and they were President's Trophy winner and whatnot. But, like, they lost some key people. And they're old in key spots. Like, yeah, I'm a big Charlie McAvoy guy. And David Pasternak is one of the best players in hockey. But, like, he's hurt. He's hurt. Who knows if he's going to be 100% when he comes back. Marshan had surgery in the offseason. Like, we don't know about the defense beyond McAvoy, really, if it's actually that good. They have some questions. And it would not at all shock me if the Flyers won the division. <laughs> Let me put it that way. I like that scenario. 
I, I like it. I think that this is something that works really well for me. It would be nice if one of the top teams in the division wasn't. That would be cool. <laughs> like, yeah. That'd be helpful. All, all we need is like one, maybe two. That's fine. All right. Let's, uh, we all have a lot of questions, uh, but man, one of the most questionable things that happened, did you like that? Um, <laughs> Samuel no. Moran. Moving to left wing, this just kind of hit the internet and like it was just one of them days on Flyers Twitter when we were like, what the fuck? Truly. Um, I think it's interesting. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, we heard all the quotes coming out of the organization after the Islanders series that were like, hey, you know what's hard to do? Break out when the defensemen are getting blasted through the end boards on every fucking attempt. Uh, this is a, trying to, you know... Return it a little to the other team on the four check. Just get a little meaner. Uh, the Flyers could stand to get a little meaner. Samuel Moran moving to wing. You know, first I have a question. Everyone's calling him Sam. I remember specifically them being like, there's no Sam in French. His name is Samuel. Samuel. Like, well, when the, did the, the Sam was thing that happen? The quote was that his mother named him Samuel, so that's what he would like to be called. All right. All right. I just, I just remember hearing there is no Sam in French, so his name's Samuel. So, I kind of... I mean, let, let, let's, let's be clear. Fans are going to call him whatever the hell I know. Is. I just... Sam. It was all over the place, and I was Jimmy. like, I thought this was... Whatever. Doesn't matter. Anyway. So, having time... Moran to wing. Yeah. Having time now to have processed this... I feel like it's nice of the team to give him an opportunity to do something after having a lot of shitty luck and also not being that good. And, but also, I take your shot. I know. But also, I feel like, did anybody really think that Sam Moran was going to knock any of these guys that are on the depth chart at left wing? out of that spot and make the team. Like, does anybody actually think for even a second Sam Moran's making this team opening night? Like, maybe if there's some injuries, he might end up in the lineup. But it just kind of feels like a, aw, go ahead out there, kid. See if you can do it. But we all know that nothing's going to come of this. Yes and no. Like, in a regular season, I don't see much opportunity for him. But in a year... And, like, last year, like, was, you know, until everything happened, was not a normal year, and guys were in and out of the bottom of the lineup nonstop. Based on that, um, based on that Group A first scrimmage, you know, I don't think there's going to be as much rollover as there was last year, as long as everyone's healthy. It looks like there are more defined roles going into the season uh, until health starts to become an issue, but, like... Man, they're going to be playing a lot of games in short periods of time. Guys are going to come in and out of the lineup just because of that. Like, matchup dependent, get him into the lineup just as a physical presence here and there. I don't hate it. Now, do I want him in the lineup night nightly? No, because they have better players. Like you said, Kelly, he's not beating anyone out just because, fuck, who's he beating out? They're better. Right. Uh, he can't beat anyone at his natural position. He's going to beat out a bunch of wingers who we said in the offseason, like they're not going to go out and sign a winger because they're stocked there. So I just think it's a good opportunity. It's, a, it, it's an interesting role. It's, 
it's it's an interesting experiment. I don't see a problem with it. No, I don't think fine. he's beating anyone out. I don't think he's going to take anyone's spot. I it's what's the harm? So the point I'll make is that I think the Flyers are taking this way more seriously than you might think. Hmm. Now, that's not saying that he's definitely going to play because in the end, he's got to, the guy he's got to convince that he is good enough to be in the lineup on a semi-regular basis is Elaine Vino. And my read of Vino so far is that he's kind of on the fence about. Like, I think he was he's in favor of the idea, but when the coach says a couple of days into camp that a guy is a work in progress, that's not exactly a ringing endorsement for I'm going to throw you in the lineup in a season where there's fewer games, which means every game matters even more than it usually does. That said, the Flyers really believe they need a guy like this. Like the, the, to me, the most, the most telling thing that I've heard about this whole deal is just how often Sam, Samuel Moran is bringing up Matt Martin as the guy he wants to emulate. Oh, I love it. Let me put it this way. The Flyers would have signed Matt Martin. Like, if, if the Islanders were not willing to give him a four-year deal, four which, appara- years. Four yes, years. which apparently is what they are going to give him when they can finally officially announce the deal, the Flyers very well could have ended up with Matt Martin because they came out of that Islander series very much thinking they needed a guy like Matt Martin, and what better than to just get Matt Martin? So they couldn't get Matt Martin, so instead they decided to try to make their own Matt Martin. This is something that they think is a real problem. They really believe that they need a physical presence who can open up space for everybody else, who can answer the bell, things like that. I mean, this plays into why they went with Chris Stewart at the beginning of last year. It's the same concept. They believe that is missing from this lineup. So I do believe they are going to try to get Sam Moran in. It's just a matter of can he do it? Mm. Like, he can, he can obviously beat the crap out of people, and he can obviously hit. I mean, Nolan Patrick can speak to that. But can he actually play the position? I don't know. Because I still wasn't convinced he could actually play the defenseman position at the NHL level. So I don't know if he can play a totally different position at the NHL level when I wasn't even convinced he could play his natural position at this level. But- that said, like, I don't think this is some sort of, like, pat on the back good luck kid sort of thing. They really envision him playing a role on this team if he isn't terrible. They're trying to address a need, but it's like, can he, like you said, can he do it? We'll find out. I don't think it's like, yeah, go ahead, Rudy. We'll see if we can get you in there. Totally, Rudy. Like, I don't think it's that. I, but I do like, uh, unless he proves capable, I don't think they're just going to throw him in there over Michael Roffel, you know? Like, I don't see that happening. I love this move. I think it's so much fun. And I am rooting for him to to really cement himself in the lineup. So not a great defenseman. Mm. But the things that he does well could translate to him being a solid fourth line winger. Like He's a good skater. And not just good for his size, but he's a good skater. Now... Have the two ACL surgeries impacted that? We'll see. Um, he's got a heavy shot. Not. Cr- I'm going to kill this dog. Remember when he broke that glass at like training camp a couple years ago? Yeah. Like he's a good shot and he's a great penalty killer. Now, I know our penalty kill is already good, but it could always get better. He's a great penalty killer. 
and like just throw him out for the entire two minutes. He's he's fine. Um, I I'm I'm just really excited about him getting a chance in the organization because he was never going to get a chance at defenseman. There's just there's too many more talented players ahead of him. Like if he bumps out Connor Bunneman or Carson Twarinski, like I'm good. I'm totally fine with that. If he bumps out Morgan Frost, less good with that. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it in a way, like, and this is maybe a weird way to look at it in terms of how he gets into games, but, you know, one way that you get him into games, and, like, yeah, you technically be running, you know, a 12-forward, 6-defense lineup, but, like, if Samaram plays, in a way, it's kind of like you're running an 11-forward, 7-defenseman yeah. lineup because he is a defenseman. The seventh defenseman doesn't play that much. So basically what you'd be doing is you'd be having like Sam Moran be a defenseman who plays forward for five minutes a night. And then you roll 11 forwards that game. Like, really? Like, I mean, yeah, Moran's technically a forward, but is he really? Like, it's just, it, it's, it's a weird sort of like end around this problem that I think they sort of envision, you know, if, if the Flyers play Boston on Tuesday night and you know, whoever their tough guy is takes a run at Travis Konechny. And then they're scheduled to play Boston a night, you know, the next night. We're calling in Big Sam. I fucking like that, love it! That's the kind of shit I could see them doing here. I don't hate that. I love it! I need it. I need this in my life. Like, I am so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited that I texted Bill as soon as the news dropped. It was, I, yeah, like, I woke up, Steph's like, have you seen this? And I'm like, Jesus, what the fuck happened? And then I'm, I'm like, what, did they trade JVR or something? And then I look, <laughs> and then I look, and I'm like, no, even more ridiculous, the guy I forgot was in the organization is, <laughs> is now the new forward. And, like, to the point uh, that we've all made, like, there are guys ahead of Samuel Moran. We had questions about his viability as an NHL defenseman. Would ever would anyone say like fourth line winger and it's not like anything's easy it's the NHL but like fourth line winger is an easier role what they're gonna ask him to do talent skill wise is easier than playing defense in the NHL like right yeah, yeah I would think so I it mean, just yeah. is Zach Ronaldo still has a place in this league <laughs> as where is a he fourth line winger. <laughs> Yeah, he's in Calgary. Is he up there still? He got he got real mad that Matchsticks and Gasoline did not include him or did not say that he was the best number thirty six to ever play for the Calgary Flames. Did he? That's fun. That's cool. yeah. He got mad Good. about it. Oh yeah, I remember that because I made the point that I was a better thirty six than Zach Ronaldo because yeah. at least I wasn't providing negative value to the Calgary Flames. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I forgot that. That's funny. Like, if we had to guess. How many games do you think Samuel Moran plays this year in the NHL? Four. I'll, uh, I'll, say, I'll say 10. 20 is aggressive. Well, it's like nearly half, half the season. season. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And, like, listen, there's, like, Michael Roffel, he misses time. Like, NAK, he's a physical player. There's going to be opportunities for him to get into the lineup. And, Steph, your point about, like, Morgan Frost. Yes, obviously we want Morgan Frost on the team. We want him to be a contributor. However, like in terms of taxi squad, I'd rather Morgan Frost playing in the AHL than not playing and just traveling with the team. Samuel yeah. Moran, don't care. 
He's not developing into anything. He is what he is. If he's just traveling with the team and they get him in when they can, if they need him, like in those situations where, you know, TK gets laid out by Tom Wilson, guess what? Tom Wilson, you got to fight a six foot seven bastard now. Like, I'm cool with that. You know, it it addresses a need. I, I know we don't think fighting is a need. I know we just want all the goals. I want all the goals. I'd rather Bobby Brink or Morgan Frost in the fucking lineup, like, down the line. But for right now, if they think this is what they need, I'm not against it. Well, the other thing with this new... the, the new division system that they have is all of these games are going to be rivalry games. Like, yeah. we are only seeing this same group of assholes. Like, that's it. Every single one of these games it's gonna roll. are going to be Flyers-Penguins. And there are eight Flyers-Penguins games. There are eight Flyers-Capitals games. Like, every single one of these are going to be high-flying, heavy-hitting games. It's not going to hurt to have a six-foot-seven dude who is not afraid to ragdoll anyone just as, like, you know, he's hanging out. And the team loves him. Like, the guys love him. He's great in the locker room. He's going to fit in really well with this team. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, my, um, my thing is, like, and this is, this is something that I've maybe grown into as I've, you know, talked to more people around the game, covered the game for longer periods of time. Like, there were, there were things that hockey traditionalists brought up that I used to scoff at that I don't scoff at anymore. Like, the idea that it's important to have a couple good defensive defensemen. The idea that, you know, phys- you, 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 that the idea of, like, physicality, intimidation, you know, it's it's a big deal, and you can't just have a fourth line that has, like, all scores. Like, I, I agree with that. There, there are things that I've... I've changed my opinion on the more people whose opinion I respect have talked to, and, you know, I've had conversations with them and whatnot, and the more I've watched and the more I've seen and everything like that. That said, where I differ from, you know, some of the the traditionalist thinking is that I concur that those guys have value, but they have to pass a certain level of competence. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, like, it's the difference between Justin Braun and Robert Hayden. Justin Braun is exactly the kind of defensive defenseman I want on the team because he's actually good at defense by the numbers and he adds an element that guys like Travis Sanheim and Shane Gossespierre simply don't. Like he can play roles and play in situations that you don't want those guys playing in. That's valuable. Robert Haig, on the other hand, is another guy who is said to be a defensive defenseman, except his defensive metrics are trash, and to me, he doesn't pass that threshold of competence that makes me think that, like, okay, well, the intangible value of having a guy like that is worth making him an every-night player. Chris Stewart, classic example of, like, yes, I think it's, it, it helps to have size in the bottom of the lineup, but when you just can't keep up anymore, any value you're providing by your, you know, your presence as an intimidation factor is overshadowed by the fact that the team is getting outscored 10-3 to 3 in the rare minutes you're on the ice. So for me, like, I like the idea of Sam Moran out there. I think the Flyers could use a more physical, intimidating presence at the bottom of the lineup— I just want him to pass that threshold of competence before I'm going to be excited about him being in the lineup. And if he does, like, he doesn't have to be great. He doesn't have to even be good. If he's just, like, 
slightly below average but doesn't get killed out there, I'm cool with him being out there. That's fine. I'm fine with that. But if he's getting crushed every time he's out there, I'm not going to have any time for the, well, everyone just is more confident when Sam Moran's in the lineup. Like, you know what would be more confident? If the Flyers weren't getting outshot 10-1 to 1 in the four minutes he's on the ice. But like, because they would have a better chance of winning. Like, we never said that about, like, Nate Thompson. It wasn't like, well, is he can just not be terrible. We're fine with him being in the lineup. Like, that's, I don't know why we, why are we giving that? Grace to because Nate Moran. Thompson didn't have the same like didn't serve the same purpose and like we did kind of like I did say I'm fine with like Nate Thompson if we use him three minutes at five on five he's a pretty good penalty killer like if we can shelter him in that way and use him in his role I think that's the same with Samuel if Samuel Moran can run a defenseman through the boards four times and not get killed I'm I'm cool with that you know that's fair. And like, and listen, let's move on to the the group A lines now. Like we said at the top, I think like these were optimal lines. The group A lines for the scrimmage yesterday: Limblom, Coots, TK, Giroux, Hayes, Farabee, JVR, Patrick Voracek, Raffle, Lawton, NAK. Like I Hot. don't want Samuel Moran just blindly playing over any of these guys. I love what this is, but. I, I see where he can fit in in certain situations. It's, uh, like, I, what do we think of these lines? These are optimal. They're so right? good. They're there. so good. They're, like, they're good. I can't um, imagine I mean, a better combination of those 12 players. Yeah, like, like I, I, w- I wouldn't go so far as to say as I think they are necessarily perfect. Like, I do, as much as I do love that Limblom couturier connecting line, I also really love Giroux with Couturier. Yeah. And I wonder if, like, not having Giroux with Couturier makes it so you're get- not getting the most out of Giroux, and he's probably your most skilled offensive talent, so that might be more important than the idea of balance. That said... I like these lines because, like, they make sense to me. Mm-hmm. They might not be the exact lines I would go with, but they make sense to me. And there are parts of it that I love. Like, I, I absolutely love that Rafa Law and NAK line. To me, that, that's, yeah. that's such a logical fourth line that I was just waiting for them to find a way not to use it. And the <laughs> fact that they did use it on day one makes me because like I just thought like they're gonna like they're gonna galaxy brain this and they're gonna put Lawton on the wing and they're gonna bench JVR like they're they're gonna find some way to overthink this when one of the best fourth lines in hockey is literally staring them in the face Mm -hmm. and I like the fact that on day one they were just like yeah the Rafa Lawton NAK line does look like one of the best fourth lines in hockey let's just use it yeah I love that fourth line and it's like a good perfect fourth grind line but I will say, and I, I like Michael Roffel. He's 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 ex, he's excellent fourth liner. He can always play on my fourth line. The idea of the the danger the other team is in with Moran, Lawton, and AK on the ice, like not scoring danger, physical fucking danger <laughs> that they're in with those three p- potentially on the ice really excites me. It is kind of a murder line, isn't it? It's, like it's a the straight up murder row. line. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so into that. Like, like, I just, it it excites me. Uh, But, man, I'll tell you what was more interesting than the forward line. The fact that the forward lines were like, yep, excellent, perfect, thank you. Um, Like, and that third line, like, $15 million on the wings. 
and the number two overall pick at center. That's just a fun third line. Like, either way, if it's good or bad, it's a fun third line to talk about. Um, but, man, the defense, huh? Mm. Yeah, I was wondering when we were going to get around to talking about that. Yeah, I realized we're, like, yeah, no. real into it here, and Steph has, like, a conference call in, like, half an hour, so Let's we got to actually focus on the good stuff, this. shall we? <laughs> yeah, um... So Zamul, like I guess the most surprising thing, because we talked about like uh, forward wise, this looks like the opening night lineup, and it's like all the regular guys in Group A and Group B is basically the Phantoms. Um, Zamula is in Group A, Friedman in Group B, and Provorov is paired with Shane Gostas Bear. Like the Sandheim Myers uh, pairing stays together. We wondered about that. Haig is with Gustafson. Zamula is with Braun. Man, they're really, uh, for as straightforward as the forwards were, this is a little surprising, no? So I feel like the defense is decidedly not straightforward going into the season. And so this is the time for them to get really fucking weird and throw some stuff together and see if anything sticks. So I'm totally fine with it. Like, get real wild in training camp and see what works. You never know. Like, maybe Ghost is good with Provorov. Who the fuck knows? Like, maybe it'll work. But now is the time that they have to to figure that stuff out. So I think we're going to see a lot of weird stuff heading into the first game. Yeah, the one thing that's really fascinating to me about the ghost Provorov tandem, and before I just get into this, I want to give the caveat that I I flat out asked Vino after practice, like, more or less, like, yo, what's up with that ghost Provorov pairing? (laughs) And he, he essentially said that, don't read too much into it. This was the first day of like pairings and, and lines being relatively normal. And I wanted to put guys together that have spent extended time playing with each other in the past. And obviously goes to Pro has have a history together. So maybe that's all it is. It's it, that said, and this is this is kind of why I found it really interesting, is that I haven't thought Ghost has looked that good at Kim. Oh. Okay. That's a bummer. Like, I, it, this isn't, like, a situation where I think Ghost, like, killed it the first two days and really earned his way up onto the top pair. Like, I don't think he's been that great. Like, I don't think he's been awful, but I don't think he's been, like, blow away awesome to the point where I'm getting super excited about a Shane Goss' pair comeback season. Mm. Which is why it was really weird to me to see him up with Provorov, because it's like, damn, like, are, are you guys seeing something that I'm not? Or... Are you guys seeing what I'm seeing? And you're thinking maybe this will get him going. And if that's the case, that's also interesting to me because then it becomes like my whole thing with Ghost over the summer into the fall was that I didn't think they were going to promote Ghost to try to get more out of him. Mm-hmm. I thought they would just basically be like, yep, dude, you have to earn your way back up the lineup. We're not going to hand, you know, your prime usage back to you. You have to prove it in easier usage and then maybe you can move back up. Well, this was more like, hey, let's try to put Ghost back in a prime position and see if maybe that unlocks him. Yeah. And God, I hope it does, because that'd be freaking That cool. would be awesome. And remember, man, like it was that it was that uh the um the Festivus party we had a couple of years ago. It was the first day of those two together. And yeah, from yeah. there, like through the end of the season, what was that, sixteen uh, seventeen, eighteen? I can't remember. Whatever that year was. Like, their metrics together were at the top of the league. Like, with every top defensive pair and them. Uh, and I find I also find it interesting, like, we've talked this offseason about Ivan Provorov. All right, he doesn't have the Niskanen blanket anymore. They don't just have 
you know, the uh, the veteran to hold his hand out there. He is now, if they're using Gossip Bear, or if they're using him as as Charlie said, like in a, uh, okay, let's see if Provorov putting him with Ghost, let's see if that gets Ghost going. He's almost in that Dr. Couturier role now where it's like, hey man, it's on you. It's on Provorov. Let's see if you're the one who can get something out of this guy who we know is good but just hasn't played like it in a long time. Uh, I, I find that very interesting. Do we buy, uh, Charlie's assessment of Ghost aside, do we buy that maybe he's healthy now and he can look somewhat like that? Because I think we've just heard the health excuse too many times with Gostas Bear. What do you guys think? I mean, it's a bummer to hear that he hasn't looked good because the health yeah. thing was the excuse and that's no longer something that he can lean on as a crutch. He's better now. He's all fixed up. So you would hope... That given the situation, he would have come in, you know, and shown us the best that we've seen of him in years because that's what he needs to show in order to get back in the lineup. And to know that that's not really happening, it's kind of like, mm, you know. I mean, that's just my view. And I trust I your eyeballs, Charles. Yeah, like I, I came in hoping to see Ghost, or like a refreshed Ghost who was flying all over the ice making plays, and I just haven't seen that. That said, I mean, I didn't think he was bad yesterday when he was in the scrimmage with Provorov. I thought he looked fine. He didn't look super dynamic, but I thought he looked fine. And, you know, it, it's this whole Provorov situation, you know, who's going to be with Provorov. I've said this a lot that I don't think there's really a good answer. No. Like, there's not a good solution here. It's basically like, what's the least bad solution? And they tried Provorov with Braun on day one. They tried him with Freeman on day two. They've tried him with Ghost on day three. Like, maybe they're just going to try him with everybody. No Myers yet. That's interesting. They're just going to see, you know, okay, do, is there one day where it just clicks and then we can just kind of run with it and see what happens? Maybe, you know, maybe that's the plan. Maybe they're just going to try everything. But, you know, one thing that was, was also fascinating to me about these pairs on day three, and again, on Friday, they likely will be totally different and then we'll be talking about something else. Yeah. But, you know, you put, you put Ghost with Provorov, okay? So now your top four, presumably, is Provorov, Gosses, Bears, Sandheim, Myers. Oh. I don't think Justin Braun is going to be out of the opening night lineup. Yeah. Because the whole reason they brought him back, well, not the whole reason, but a big reason is because of the penalty kill. And they lost Niskanen, and it was sort of like, we can't afford to lose both Niskanen and Braun in the same offseason if we want to keep our penalty kill gains. Well, Niskanen ain't coming back through that door. So you got to have Braun in there. And if you have Braun in there, then... The guy he was paired with on day three was Igor Zamula. Yeah. And the guy who you signed to a three million dollar cap hit in Eric Gustafson is on a pair with Robert Haig. But then then again, if Shane Gossespair is in the lineup and on the top pair, that's kind of Gustafson's spot. Not to say Gustafson was going to be on the top pair, but like we've talked about how role. Shane Gossespair and Eric Gustafson kind of play the same role. And if Ghost is in the top four. I kind of wonder if Gus isn't in the lineup in game one. Man, I wonder if that happens. That would be like, that's, there's so many questions. And like you said, the pairings could be fuck it. Like Robert Haig could be with Ivan Provorov when we fucking talk next week. Um, but like, 
Yeah. The, first, what do we make of Zamula in Group A, for, or Zamula in Group A, Friedman in Group B? Like, we all kind of penciled Friedman in as like, okay, this is it. He's at least going to be an extra yeah. defenseman. This is his yeah. shot. If if Ghost shits the bed, like, if they just give up on Haig, like, whatever, Friedman will work his way into this lineup as maybe the sixth defenseman at some point. They got Zamula out there with Justin Braun, who, like you said, he's going to be in the lineup. I, I, I was never super high on Mark Friedman. I just feel like if he was the talented defenseman that a lot of people believe him to be, he would have already gotten a much bigger look. I just think that he's there and he's fine. So people are just kind of penciling him in. I think that Zamula is more talented, but I don't think that either of them are on the roster opening night. Yeah, I mean, I've been operating under the assumption that Mark Friedman was going to make the team because I thought they were going to go with eight defensemen, and I thought Friedman was going to be one of them because they seemed to be high on Mark Friedman all off season. Everything I was hearing was that we think he's NHL ready. It was kind of unfair that he didn't play last year, but we really didn't have defense injuries, so we kind of had to stay down. It seems like he's mastered the AHL. He's got nothing really else he can really learn down there, so we're cool with him being an extra in a way that we wouldn't be cool with, say, Morgan Frost being an extra because we think he has more to work on in the AHL. Whereas with Friedman, it's like he's basically who he's going to be, except for the fact that he needs to learn you know, and adapt to the NHL pace and the NHL strength of opponents. That's it. So it's fine if he's, he's an extra. This whole Zamula thing is fascinating to me because they're also very high on Igor Zamula. Like, they are extremely high on Igor Zamula. Don't forget... He played in the exhibition game in the bubble. Yep. Like, that wasn't an accident. They wanted to see if, hey, if we have a couple guys that go down in the playoffs, Igor Zamula might play. So we want to see him play. The coaches really like this kid. And I've always thought the best move for him would be to get some time in the AHL because he still is rail thin. Like, he still needs to put some weight on. And he has put weight on, but he needs to put more on. But if they're super high on him, I do wonder if he possibly bumps out Friedman. Maybe it happens. I wondered, because I had two thoughts. Like, first, like, I, Zamula, I think the upside is higher than Friedman. Uh, but, uh, like, he's new. You know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a new th- I know he got the game in the bubble and everything. But, like, yeah, put him out there with Braun, see what happens. He's out there with a vet. He can help bring him along. Friedman, we are sure, can at least be a sixth defenseman in the NHL, you know. Um... Let's put him in Group B, where he will be against only NHL players. Like if he's out, if he's on Group A, that means he's defending fucking you know a bunch of phantoms, and we know he can defend a bunch of phantoms. If yeah, he's but they, on but, Group yeah, but that's, B, that's, he's out there that, that, against our twelve NHL forwards. That's not quite the way it works, though, okay. because they they split the. It's not like Group A plays Group B in the scrimmage. It's like you have. Team Black plays Team Orange, okay. and there's guys wearing black jerseys in both groups and guys wearing orange jerseys in both well, groups. Never so it's not mind. like, yeah, it's not like he was just facing all the best players. So did not. That's why I was trying to interrupt you because it's like, sorry, I'm going to completely blow up your spot. <laughs> yeah, fuck it then. <laughs> all right, well then maybe Friedman. Yeah, that sucks. and it was only one day of practice. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and in day two, Justin Braun was in Group B. So this might all be meaningless, and we might all be, you know 
kind of over inflating this. The only reason why I feel like this matters a little bit more is because day three Wednesday was the first day where the lines look kind of normal. And Zamula in kind of normal lines and pairings day was on a pair that in theory looks like a potential third pair for game one. And that's interesting. At the very least, it's interesting. And like, there's no preseason games. This is it. We're less than yeah. a week out. These are the yeah. only looks that these guys are going to get. Like, it's not it's not an extended training camp. No exhibition games. The roles they're in are what the coaches are trying to fit them into. You're not wrong. And, you know, you're going to have that, uh, the, the scrimmage that's basically a preseason game on Sunday. And I would assume a lot of things are going to be answered in that game based on the, how the players are used and the line combinations and the pairings. Because, in a sense, that's kind of going to be like a dress rehearsal for the first game of the year. But first game of the year is next Wednesday. Like, this is coming. And that's why it was surprising to me that Vino used the first two days as kind of like throw the lines in a blender and let's have fun days because most NHL teams did not. You know, most NHL teams, day one, they hit the ice with like lines and pairings that look like they might be the ones for game one. And Vino, everything he does, has a, he has a reason for it. Like he's such a very structured, you know, plan it out type of coach that it was odd to me that he went with that that strategy, but obviously he had a reason for it, and he he wanted to, you know, see these young guys and maybe take more of, like, a long view of what these young guys can do aside, you know, beside veterans in case maybe he has to use these young guys in games this year because there's going to be so much, you know, roster turnover and guys getting hurt and guys maybe getting coronavirus and you know maybe this was just him playing the long game and wanted to learn more about these kids rather than you know learn everything he has to learn about pairings that he's probably going to change in a week and a half anyway they seem quite married to this Sanheim Myers idea they do don't they? and like we all love it like that's the yeah that's, i'm not mad about it it's no no not mad about it at all it's just, like uh encouraged by it that they it seems as if that's the like okay myers if we have to move him up we will but we're literally trying everything else first which you know like other things is very promising to see there's a lot of things that have been promising during this camp which is a new and fun feeling. I'm very into it. Are there any other players like uh, in this training camp we haven't tackled that we should uh, that we should discuss? Is there any any other outstanding story going on? Well, I mean, there's the fact that Oscar Lindblom is you know sure back from cancer. That's kind of cool. Oh, that's that's like that's the way I didn't intend to use <laughs> outstanding. <laughs> Just, uh, yes, that is outstanding. How about him? Like, I love him and fucking Couturier together. Like, mm-hmm. that line is never going to get scored on. Ever. That's so good. I mean, I kind of wonder, and again, this plays into whether... Limblom is 100%, you know, when he's going to be 100%. We just don't know. These are things we're hoping, but we don't know. I really, really would love to see... If only for a little bit, I would love to see a Limblom Couturier Giroux line. Mm. 
That's spicy. I would love it. And I know that, like, Drew is more of a left wing at this stage of his career, and they're probably stronger on the right side. So if you put Drew on the right, that means that one of Voracek or TK is, you know, on the third line. But Voracek's on the third line right now anyway with Patrick. So I don't know. I think it'd be cool. And I think it could potentially be a freaking awesome line. And, I like, Drew... Let TK go hang out with his buddy. It's fine. Like, and Limblom can play the right side as well. Like we've he can. Yeah. we've seen him utilized like that at least a couple of times. Uh, and Giroux, he can play the right wing. So I, I don't think, like, uh, I, I don't think that's the biggest deal in the world. If you were to put them together, I think you could switch either way uh, with them on the left and right. Um, but man, yeah, a lot of potential here, guys. Like. We're going to do our preview shows and everything next week, and we're going to do predictions, but I think everyone's predictions are going to be pretty optimistic, if I had to guess. Yep. You might be onto yes. something. <laughs> All right. Do, so is that it? Do we have anything else? It was a pretty I long think show. there's a lot more that we could dig into. But we're but at like an hour and a half. We're at an hour and a half, and we just don't know enough right now after yeah. a few days of training camp so give Certainly. us a few more days and we'll come back with our prediction show and we'll be able to dig into all of the players i already know fam <laughs> they're winning the cup this year kelly always knows <laughs> and that is all the time we have for you on broad street hockey radio this week thank you all for listening thank you for having out if you haven't hanging out if you haven't already please hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and bang, boom, content delivered to you. Uh, Now the season's coming fucking daily, multiple times daily. Who knows? Constant content. It's going to break your phone. It's so much content. Get another device just for Broad Street Hockey content because otherwise you're just going to be flooded and not accomplish anything else throughout the rest of your day. That's how much content we're going to throw your way. So, uh, yeah, that's it. My name is Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Steph, for Charlie... Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Who's gonna score hockey goals? Our team! No one does more hockey than our boys! The Flyers! Broadstreet Hockey Radio! Turn that shit up, you motherfucker! to the field.